Hey, this is Alex Terranova, and this is the Dream Mason Podcast. We've been taught to behave, to fit in, to follow the rules, but Dream Masons reject conventional thought. Dream Masons are rebels. They take a chisel to the marble that is typical traditional life. They carve out brilliance and broadcast it to the world. Join me for another chapter as we unmask convention, embrace the rebels within us, and more deeply come to explore the complex and agitated edges of our existence. Now, before we get started, please don't be a rebel yet and grab your phone and hit that little button that says subscribe. Thank you. Because your dreams don't build themselves. What's up and welcome back to the Dream Mason podcast. I am your host, Alex Terranova. So I think uh, I want to tell you guys about today before we jump in and you meet the guest. Um, today didn't go as planned. And I think it's it's perfect because life doesn't go as planned. You know, we I had a, a guest booked and it didn't work out. And there were lots of feelings and thoughts and, and, and uh, reactions to it not working out. And it's okay because stuff doesn't work out. Like that is life is circumstances. Life is constantly throwing stuff out us that makes us deviate, duck, dodge, change, adapt. And I love that today something got created outside of that and like a new possibility evolved. So I share that because I think it's like really important to remember, like whatever you're up to, whatever you're working on, it's not going to go as you want. It's not going to go as planned. And then you get to decide who you want to be about it. Do you want to be the person that's just like upset, packs it in, takes their ball and goes home? Do you want to be the person who's like, all right, what can we create? What can we make out of this? Do you want to be the person who creates something totally new and different? But who do you want to be when things don't go the way you wanted them to go or the way you designed them to go? And now we're here. We're about to record. We got, I, I feel like I'm surrounded by cameras and lights. Uh, you guys that are listening don't know that, but there are like cameras and lights all around me. And uh, we have a guest today who I actually just met this morning, which is super exciting. He says he performs his best at the last minute. I think I also perform my best without preparation at the last minute. And as I learned about him, um, he's got so much going on. So I'm going to introduce you to him. And there's a lot. So try to hang on to it all, but it's I'm not telling you anything that I didn't find that, that I didn't find really cool. So my guest today was um, a professional, ho sorry, a, a college hockey coach. He coached at Montclair State University. He also was a professional hockey coach in the UK where his team won a championship. He worked in the NHL and broadcasting. So he broadcasted Ranger games. He also produced in the N in the NHL. Uh, he got to work with like obviously the NHL, NBC, Hearst Media, A and E, and at Madison Square Garden. Um, he is a speaker. He's a writer. He's written two books. One is called Think Like a Fan. One is called Win. He's also a father. He's a husband to his wife is now a physician, but she was in the Air Force while he was building many of these things. His business, um, Game 7 Group, basically is, is a, 
a, a company where he's like, he calls himself a team strategist and he helps teams, companies, businesses build bonds and build better teams. I'm super interested to learn more about that. He does work with that for college, college hockey teams, for professional teams. Uh, we'll find out what else. Also, he works with nonprofits, businesses, and um, uh, inner city kids. He, man, there's so much stuff. He, so he has the Game 7 group. He also has a company called Hockey Wraparound. He also has another company called We Live Hockey, which is like a content. They tell hockey stories. And then there's another company called Blade Shades, which are like hockey sunglasses. So there's a lot. My guest today is Lee Elias. Lee, how you doing, man? Thanks for being here. I'm great, man. That was one hell of an introduction. That was like some superhero music should be playing in the background. Or maybe it's more of a joker thing. It's all part of the plan. I need to but, breathe. Uh, I like didn't breathe in between. <laughs> that was really good. No, listen, listen. For being last minute, that was really good. Uh, I'm doing great. I'm really happy to be here. Um, I love the concept behind your show. I love everything that you're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I've never really had my intro read to me like that before. That is a lot of stuff. And it kind of freaked me out a little bit as you were doing it. Uh, but I want to put the cherry on top and tell everybody out there that my wife is actually way cooler than I am. I always like people to know that before I start. <laughs> That's what I, you said before. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, it's hilarious. Her that story that... is unbelievable. Her story is unbelievable. I mean, I mean, she she is my inspiration for everything. She came from nothing. She found her way through high school to get to med school. Then med school, she joined the Air Force to get become a doctor. And now she's a doctor in the inner city. And she just wants to help people. It's just, it's an inspiring story. That's my pitch to get her on a future episode, but we'll talk about that another time. All right. Well, connect <laughs> me with your wife and we'll see, you know, she I'd be know. happy to. Yeah. Um, dude, you've, you have so much going on and so many, like everything that you, that I shared surrounds like teams and bonding and even like your businesses, you shared with me that they're not just yours. They're co-owned. You have partners. So everything yeah. that you do from game seven group to the, your businesses, to speaking and working with people all involves other people. How does no. somebody like, how did you even create all this from being a, like a hockey, you're a hockey player, I'm assuming first. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably the origin story you'd begin with. Um, you know, hockey is obviously a team sport and that side of sports in general always spoke to me, even at a young age, although I didn't recognize that I had a aptitude for it, if that makes sense. Uh, I was always just very drawn to the team aspect that we could accomplish something as a group. Um, and then you mix in things like, and I'm, I'm being real with you, you mix in certain movies and you mix in certain real life situations. I told you before, like the 1980 Miracle Hockey team really had a massive impact on me in, in how they were able to accomplish what they accomplished. Um, and I was just kind of gravitate, gravitate, gravitated towards that side of the game. And then as I got older and you know my playing career winded down, I became a coach. Um, I realized that I have a real strong skill to just bring people together and to combine towards a common goal. Um, and when I realized that, I really started to study that and, and evolve it and read about it and you know meditate on it, honestly. And I, I realized I'm, I'm really good at it. And more importantly, I really love it. I mean, I really love bringing people together to accomplish something and then maintaining that and nurturing it. Um, and especially what's funny and, and kind of, we always talk in business about how timing is everything. In today's society, you know, where people couldn't be farther apart, you know, I feel like I'm here to bring them together. Um, however, that manifests itself. Yeah. How do you bring people together? Right. Like, what's the? Yeah. If there were some like guiding principles, what brings people together? Yeah. You know. You know what's funny about that is, and I'll tell you two things. On I'll tell you the, the principles. But the, the funny thing about bringing people together is actually it's very easy to bring people together. 
that's that's not the hard part. Getting people to buy into something typically is not too hard, especially when it's an obvious common goal, right? It's maintaining it that's the hard part. Um, it's you know keeping them at that highest level of maximum performance all the time. That's what's hard because people have disagreements, people have problems. You said it at the top of the show, life happens, right? Things don't always go as yeah, planned. Yeah. Um, but when you really break it down, just to start something, my belief is that all teams need three things to kind of win. And again, you can define win however you want. That could be championships, it could be business goals, fiscal year, however you want. Um, and I find that everybody knows two of the three. <laughs> And the first two are tactics, right? You need to have the good tactics that you need in order to kind of find a way forward. You know, you have to have talent. You have to have the right people on the team or else it really won't matter. It's got to be comparable to the goal you're trying to accomplish. And then the third thing is a team bond. And I find that most people either don't realize that or they don't spend enough time on it. Um, and I could make a very compelling argument that it's actually more important than the other two um, because you, we have seen teams overachieve. We have seen teams do things that seemed impossible against much stronger odds. But it really is those three things. And then understanding that you need to spend 30% of your time, if not more, on that team bond. And to do that, it comes down to finding a common purpose, finding a vision and a mission, really knowing what you're fighting for. Um, and then the objectives and the tactics that go into that and making sure that everyone on the, the team understands each other. And then above all, the, the defining principle of this for me is, is trust. You have to establish trust. You have to define trust because it's a different meaning for everyone. Yeah. I've always used the example of if I grew up in the inner city where I grew up on an ivory hill, um, you know, my definition of that word is probably going to be pretty different. And that's okay. You know, that's society, right? So we, we get a common meaning of that word and then we kind of push forward together as a group. You said uh, like tactics, talent, team bond, trust. Yeah. So my experience of, especially as an adult of working in teams, whether they be, you know, businesses or, or groups that we're trying to accomplish something or support each other. One of the things that I notice is it starts off often really exciting, really powerful. Yeah. We're all like fired up, especially if we've come together for like a common purpose. No. Yeah. And then stuff happens. Yeah. Right. Like circumstances happen. People get taken out, whatever. Right. Somebody doesn't have enough money, enough time. Their 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 personal life falls apart. But things happen. And then those the uh, it's kind of like that commitment, those commitments that we've come together for break down and people start yeah. throwing in like, well, you don't understand. I'm, I'm making this up. Right. But like you don't understand my situation at my home yeah. or my bank account or whatever. And then all of a sudden the team. I think what happens when one person does that, right? Everybody, often a lot of the people start oh, yeah. going into yeah. their stuff. It's in, it's infectious, yeah. Yeah. So how – that I'm like super interested in when you have a team because it's going to happen. There's going to be a breakdown. Yeah. Somebody – you know, something's going to happen. How do you bring people or get people to stay inside of that original commitment and that original want even when yeah. they don't want to, they don't feel like it or stuff's happening? Right. And that's, that's the maintaining part. It's a great question. Right. And so um, I'm actually going to throw something back at you here. Sure, right. Yeah, so in that, in that situation you've just described, which I guarantee everyone listening to the show, working on your show, everyone has, has gone through something like that. Right. Here's the question I have. How much prep did your group do prior to starting to prepare for that? Like, like our breakdown today or just in general, you mean? 
No, no, no. In general, like how, how often do you see teams prepare for that scenario? Right. Yeah. That things are going to break down. Yeah. Right? Pro- that's a, that's a great point. Yeah. Probably not. Like, I mean, I think back, yeah. you know, in, in some of the, I used to open restaurants and, and bars in the hospitality world. And there were things that you prepped for, right? You knew food sure. was going to go back to the kitchen. You knew you were going to get yeah. on wait lists. You could prep for some of those things. But you're right in the sense of, uh, in my book, I talk a lot about like, if you have goals, create lists of the things that you know that are going to come up that are going to get in the way of you and your goals. Yeah. So then when they yeah. come up, you're already ready for them and they're not a surprise. Exactly. And and we do that with things like you just said, like, okay. hey, food's going to be bad, right? So like, okay. like I'll, I'll use sports mostly in the show as a metaphor, yeah, but you can apply this to everything, right? Like in sports, like you're going to lose some games, right? Like it's very rare you're going to go undefeated. But we don't prepare for the emotional side. Of it. We don't prepare for uh, Johnny breaking his leg or for, you know, this person's getting a divorce or this person's ruined financially. We don't prepare for situations like that because, A, it's uncomfortable to talk about, number one, uh, and they're unpredictable, right? So a lot of times it is what you just said, obviously preparing for the things you know are going to happen, but it's also important to prepare for the things you don't know that are going to happen and that the team has a collective way of approaching that together. You said it. You know, when you're commiserating, it's infectious. Um, and I listen, building a team bond, I said this, it's easy, but it's a glass house. If you tap it with a hammer, it's going to come down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I maintain that. So to, to, to kind of further that, the answer to that question is you define what trust is. And if you can define trust in a way that people know that no matter what happens, no matter what happens to us this year, this season, this month, this day, whatever, I know you've got my back. And you know I've got yours. No matter what it is, even if we disagree and really can't stand each other, that I'm still going to fight for you. It's really easy to get past those situations. Okay, in sports, I always say this: teams that I work with just never prepare for a losing streak. They just seem to never be prepared. Mm-hmm. How can you enter any <laughs> sports season and not be prepared for a losing streak and or a winning streak? Yeah. Right? Mentally, you should be ready because when you're on a losing streak, you just it's just quicksand if you're not prepared for it. Like, like I, I prep my teams ahead of time for like, listen, if, if, if the SHIT hits the fan friendly show, you can can say, (laughs) you know, we gotta, (laughs) I I just make it sure, you know, like you gotta, you gotta be ready for it. You gotta know that when we hit this, when the unexpected happens, I tell them when the thing that is unexpected happens, we will be prepared because we know what trust is. We know what our goal is. And if we, if we lose sight of that, we're going to do things to make sure we regain sight of that. And that could be anything from legit physical activities to just team building environments. And I think that's another big part of it. I said that 33% of your time should be devoted to team building, in my, in my opinion. All right. Most team building exercise happen at the beginning of the season. Or if it's a corporate environment, you have these annual things that no one wants to go to. And it's just kind of <laughs> like, yeah, we did it. This is something that has to be done every single day. All right. I'm not talking about team building activities, but it's monitored, it's nurtured, right? If I feel like my team is slipping off, I get on the phone or I do something, we do something together, even if it's getting away from the office or, or in the office, continually building that bond, continually reinvigorating the team towards the common goal. And if the common goal is not being met, then we have discussions about that, about why, or do we need to change it? You know, it's a fluid thing, right? But that, that, that's, it's a constant, it's a constant thing. It's not a once in a while thing for me. You touched on the losing streak piece. And I think like, I'm really curious about this because so we know, or I I should, I shouldn't say we, but you and I I think, and a lot of listeners know we're going to have winning streaks and we're going to have losing streaks. 
Yeah. And sometimes we forget when we're on a winning streak. There's yeah. like some of us are waiting for the other shoe to drop, and some of us are like, it's never <laughs> gonna end. We're just like, yeah. it's just you know, we're just gonna soar. And um, I do a little of both. I'm just like, this is never gonna end. And then that voice in my head is like, it's all gonna fall apart. It's like, <laughs> so I'm yeah. curious how about the losing streak side because it's easy. It can be easy when you're on a winning streak. You feel good. Things are going well. But when we get on a losing streak, like, yeah. or how do you prepare for a losing streak? It's a great question. And, and what's funny is you prepare for it the same way you prepare for a winning streak. Um, one of the common misconceptions is vulnerability in sport. And again, this, I, I got to keep saying it, it equates to business too, because like a losing streak, winning streaks happen in business too. If you're in sales, if you're in anything, it happens. So I always say this, a team is actually just as vulnerable during a winning streak as a losing streak for exactly what you just said. At some point, the other shoe's got to drop. All right. Now on a winning streak, the, sh the shoe dropping is you lose, but on a losing streak, the shoe dropping is you win. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're, they're actually equally, one just feels better than the other. Let's just be honest about it. Right. Yeah. Winning's fun. All right. So the way you prepare for that is one, acknowledge that it might happen. All right. Now hopefully it doesn't, but losing might happen. Right. The second thing is typically when you're vulnerable like that, your emotions are out of check and you have a lot of unanswered questions. And what I find about teams in losing streaks is they don't know what questions they should be asking. It, it, and it tends to revolve around fear of, oh, man, we can't lose again. If we lose again, this will happen. And if this happens, then that will happen. And it's like you're going the wrong place with this, right? What's the question we should be asking? And again, I wish I could give you a specific question. It's usually different per team, right? right? But if you're talking about sports, you know, the question we're losing, it might be something like what tactics are we not doing well? And this is why I said in the beginning, you know, Vision, mission, objectives, tactics. If you have that all down, it's very easy to pinpoint what's going wrong. And you typically won't see a losing streak in that environment. But one of those things is usually off. Or the trust has been broken in the team, right? It, 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 it's these little subtle things that come into the team bond, typically, which would create this. Now, I got to be, be specific here. Obviously, if you're, a situ if you're in a situation where the rest of the league you're in or the rest of the situation you're in is far more talented than you, like that's not specifically what I'm talking about. That goes back to what I said before. You have to have kind of comparable talent and tactics to compete, right? So like, you know, if you're the worst team in the league and you just don't have the talent to win, that's a different situation entirely. These are the streaks when you should be winning or you feel like you should be winning. You prepare for them by talking about it early. You don't wait till you're in the losing streak to figure out how to get out of it. It's preparation yeah. Yeah. like anything else. Well, you just touched on, I think if you're, if you're outmatched talent wise, whether you're new in your business or you're yeah. new, your company's new on the scene against other, you know, or you're at a sports team that doesn't have yeah. the talent. I think there's a difference, right? I'm, I don't know a lot about hockey. You're, you're a hockey expert, but I think there's like baseball teams or, or football teams or basketball teams that even when they don't have the talent, you can yeah, see yeah. that they're developing, right? Their, their energy yeah. becomes like we're developing the people we have. So when we do get more talent, We'll right. be we'll be there. It's not just like they're just packed in and we just like suck. And I see exactly. that with, with yeah. businesses too, right? Like if I don't have the if I'm I've trained, I've done a lot of training of coaches and I, I have some clients that are coaches. And one of the things I notice that when they're starting out, they're not as talented as as you are as a coach, or I am as a coach, or my mentors are have been doing this for 30 years. But they can either wallow in the like losing streak of not getting yeah. paid, not, you know, not having a business that's working. Or they can do all these principles that you said and be doing the work to grow and improve yeah. and get better. And I love but that, it, asking the questions. 
Yeah, like it, look, it it comes down to this: How do you define winning and losing, right? Because like, here's the thing: if you're if you're not talented enough to win, you're not really losing if unless you're not working and learning and trying. You know, that's a win. Yeah. You know, and I said winning is defined. It can be defined however you want. All right, like it's very easy to point say we want to win the championship. But here's the thing: if you're like you said, a new team coming to the league, it's probably not a realistic goal for year one. All right. Now, if it happens, that's awesome. Don't get me wrong. All right, but what is a realistic goal? Is it 10 wins? Is it 15 wins? This is why it's so important that you set these parameters prior to the season, right? And you got to be realistic and you got to be even keeled with it, right? And, and look, a little grinding and a little passion and a little, uh, you know, we can overachieve never hurts. I'm not jumping on that. But even in the business world, if I was making computers, I'm not going to be Apple tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, right. So it's like, I want to learn from Apple. I want to learn from everybody. I want to get involved and I want to be passionate about the business or the craft that I'm trying to do and continually get better and keep that path moving forward and define success, define what winning means a lot. Like, you know, and again, there's a difference between vision and mission, right? Like, so a vision for me is what you want to accomplish during your time, wherever you are overall, right? And typically it's not just win a championship or become the best salesperson or whatever. It's something bigger. Like, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? That's my vision. My mission or my, my mission statement is what I'm accomplishing right now in a specific set of time, whether it's a season, a year, you know, six months, whatever, right? And then objectives are the ways I'm accomplishing that mission, right? But I find that most, most groups, especially outside of sports, don't take the time to do anything like this. They just assume that everybody kind of knows. They assume that everyone's kind of bought in, and they just kind of hope for the best. And I can tell you this, having been an athlete, hope is not a word that I like. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I don't like hope. Yeah. I always say hope is death to athletes. It's death to a sports team. If you're hoping you're out of control, be in control. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. hope for outcomes. I make outcomes happen with my team. That's the way we approach everything. You know, the other thing I just want to follow up on too is, you know, when I talk about missions and, and visions, it should be something really strong and really succinct and easy to say. Like for example, one of my companies, hockey wraparound, right? You can ask anyone that works for me, what's the mission of hockey wraparound? They will say it is to put a hockey wraparound on every hockey stick in the world. <laughs> Simple, yeah. They know it. Yeah, because we and they all believe it. They all believe in that, right? And if, if someone doesn't believe in that, I want to know because now I'm failing them as the leader, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm a big believer that, that, big believer that as a leader, I serve the people that work with me, not the other way around. You know, we all have a role here to play. And if you're not motivated towards the vision that we've created, that's on me. It's not on you, right? To help you get back there, right? So again, a lot of stuff goes into this. You know, another thing you'll, you'll probably find this funny is we don't have job titles in, at my companies unless you want one. Okay, um, nice. Yeah, because because like what, you know, we have roles, we have specific responsibilities, don't get me wrong, but like I just never understood the hierarchy of job titles. So it, we had, it was funny, we had, a, a, I had a kid working for me, he came up to me. And he says, you know, he wanted a job title. I said, okay, well, what do you want your job title to be? And he goes, well, you're supposed to tell me that. I said, no, why don't, what, what do you want your job? To, what's going to make you feel more motivated yeah, yeah, yeah. to do, to do your job. And it's, and I, and I told him, I was like, you can't be CEO, right? <laughs> it's gotta, it's gotta be something realistic. And, and he goes, well, I want to be the content production manager. I said, you are our new content <laughs> production manager. And he's really owned it. He's really owned yeah. it. And, and the reason he wanted that is because people were asking him what he did and he wanted to tell him something. Uh, but That's like, awesome. like, you know, that really motivated him in a funny way. He had never had the ability to do that. And then it really gives you like a microcosm though. Like, is it servitude? I mean, I don't know what it is that people feel like I need to have a job title, 
but we don't do that here. And I tell people, do not call me the owner. Do not call me the CEO. Don't even just call me Lee. You know, like that. <laughs> we're a team here. I really look at it like that. I, I, for, I love that it can be both ways, right? Like you don't need it. Someone yeah. else might. And that yeah. I love the idea of like in that guy in your examples case, because it helps him live into something that he wants. It's yeah. like he's picking the thing he wants to be before, maybe even before he is that. And then it gives yeah. him some direction. It's like, uh, it's a goal for him. I am this thing. And then he gets to be it. Um, it's ownership too. It's accountability. I yeah. Mean, he created it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like now you got to be it. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that you talked about, I, I'm, I'm with you on the hope. Hope is super disempowering. I always think about, you know, somebody is sounds really bad, but if I was chained up in a basement, I, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, I hope someone comes and rescues me. Has yeah. you just sitting waiting for someone to do it versus I'm going to yeah. get out yeah. of this. I don't know how, but I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get out of this situation. Hope leaves yeah. you waiting for things versus creating things. And you said it like really beautifully. I yeah. just didn't want to, you know, what, what I say about hope is this is I, if someone gives me hope, I'm very, very thankful for that, but I don't look for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That way I'm actually almost, I'm almost surprised when stuff like that does happen. Cause I've look, I've been in situations where, I'm really nose to the grind and I can't seem to find a way out, but I'm not focused on hope. But then someone will come. Something yeah, something will yeah. happen that gives me hope. And I, I'm always very, very thankful for that, but I'm never looking for it. Yeah. And, and I also never say good luck to someone. If I say good luck to someone, it's actually me, me giving you the middle <laughs> finger. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Uh, God, you said something before that um, <laughs> you gave, you said so much and there's so like, you're, I mean, you're dropping like, dimes here or gold. Um, <laughs> well, I appreciate that. That uh, means I'm doing my job. <laughs> you, oh, here, this is what I want to ask you. So when we talked, we were talking about like the losing streaks and you were kind of mm -hmm. saying, all right, if you're on a losing streak, the way to like course correct is go back to the, those, those commitments, those objectives, the mission, the values. Yeah. What about the emotional piece, right? Like when you're Absolutely. on, yeah. especially it's one thing if you're on a team, right? If you're on a hockey team, there's other guys that are going to like pull you up. If you're in maybe it sounds like in your company, you're going to be the guy that pulls other people up. But let's say you're an yep. entrepreneur you're, or you have a yep. very small company and you're the leader of and people just take their cues from you and you're yep. on a losing streak. You're getting your butt kicked. How do you yeah. how do you deal with the emotional piece to like turn it around there? Because that can keep you from all the the things that you pointed to before. Yeah. So I actually have a really in-depth answer for that. And I, I got to preface this with saying, you know, emotions, a very personal thing for a lot of people. Um, and it's different for everybody. And I, I acknowledge that. And I always think it's important to say that because, you know, people feel similar feelings, but they feel them in different ways. <clears throat> and like, we, we're all different and we all have a different story. So like when you approach emotion, I think it's very important that people understand that, you know, my experience might not be their experience. And I respect that. Right. I, I'll give you like, like a really quick, really quick story to tell you what kind of what I mean. Um, I, I had, I have a, I have a family member who suffers from anxiety and um, she had a hard time getting across the street. Okay. She was very fearful, feel, fearful of getting across the street. And she had called me one day to help her and I wasn't there. I just didn't see the phone call. I felt horrible. And I remember she came to me and she said, it's so lame that I can't cross the street by myself. And I said, it's not lame. I said, are you feeling fear? She goes, yeah. I said, that fear is real. It doesn't matter if you're crossing the street or you're trying to win the Stanley Cup. It's the same feeling, right? It's just relative to your situation. And you know what? The next day she got across the street and then she, you know, grew and grew and grew. And it's like the fear has never changed. It's just the parameters have changed, right? So I think that's important to keep that in context that we all experience emotions differently. Now, 
To answer your question, I have two life philosophies that govern everything that I do. And I try and apply these two life philosophies to this. And and it really uh, diffuses emotion in certain situations, right? The first half of the philosophy is this. And I'm I'm actually going to run you through an exercise if that's okay. Yeah, please. That's awesome. Okay. So I I call this the circle of control. So Alex, in your life, (laughs) in your life, what are the things that you actually have control over? Really have control over? Uh, probably what I eat, like what I put in yep. my, what I actually put into my mouth. Uh, yeah, so that's what, one of them. What I eat, what I drink. Um, I mean, I, I, I suppose like move, moving around, like like getting yeah. up, moving around. I could, like yes. I can, could, no, I'm not a puppet, right? Like no one else is controlling yeah. me. We'll, we'll say like effort, right? Like sure. just effort in general, like whatever that is for you, getting up, doing things, yeah. what, your output, right? Yes. Your output. And it's um, really just one other thing. I would say, I mean, the one thing that I, that's coming to me is like speak the things that I say that leave my mouth, unless that falls into that other one. Yeah. So internal dialogue, right? What you think, right? And, and we have a lot more control over that than I think people realize. Um, and, and typically when you don't, you're defined as mentally ill, right? (laughs) So like, Mm -hmm. those are the three things, kind of your effort, what you think, like what you portray and what you eat. That is all any of us really control in our lives. Now, at first, this is terrifying when you first think about this because it's really nothing. It's not much, right? Now, I'm going to tell you how to make those three things your entire universe. This is the easy part. Tell me the things you don't control. Well, everything else, right? Like, so right. other people, the weather, um, uh, traffic. traffic. Yeah. The Kardashians, right? Like, um, technology, electricity. You know, right. the cost of things. Right. Everything. Everything. Yeah. Everything else, right? So this is the question I pose to people. How often are you focusing on the things you don't control? And how much energy are you giving them? And how much time are you focusing energy on the things that you actually do control? Because in my experience, a majority of people on this planet live in that outer circle and only focus on things they don't control. Mm. All right? If you can eliminate that outer circle, and only focus on the things that you actually control, that becomes your entire universe. And when you're looking at that circle, it can make some pretty amazing things happen when you're not giving effort to things like yelling at the guy cutting you off and laying ahead of you, which has absolutely zero impact in your life unless he hits you, to be fair. Okay. But then then it's in, in your control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't get road rage like really ever because there's no point to it. It's a waste of my time. Now, to, to put this on a severe level, um, you know, I always say the easy metaphor for this. Have, have you ever been reading a book and you read five pages and you realize you haven't read anything? Oh yeah. Yeah. You're just, my, you're like yeah. on autopilot. Yeah, where, where were you? Where'd you go? Right. <laughs> so like when I'm with my children who I love deeply, I really try and make sure that I'm focused on them when I'm with them. Cause I don't want to waste any time with them because I don't, I, I could spend every day with them the rest of my life. It won't be enough time. Right. So like when I'm with my kids, I'm with my kids. Right. And that brings me to the second half of this, which is how we perceive reality. Right. All right, so the first half is only worry about what you control. The second half of this, we as human beings perceive reality through time, one second at a time. That's just, that's just how we live, right? We, and we're always looking at the time, it's one second. So therefore, you have the past, the present, and the future. I always tell people, reflect on the past, look to the future, and live in the present moment. Do not leave the present moment. For example, I have a million things going on in my life. You said that. This conversation with you is the only reality in the world right now to me right? I'm not lost on what I'm going to do five minutes from now or what we said five minutes ago. This moment is really, it's reality. It's it. 
There's no other reality but this moment for you and me right now. So I live in the present moment all the time or as much as I can. It doesn't mean I don't slip. It doesn't mean I don't get lost thinking about something that happened to me 20 years ago or I get lost thinking about my dreams of the future. But that's why I say reflect on the past, look to the future, and live in the moment. Don't get lost in those two places. Now, going back to the kind of what I said to you a minute before, how often are people lost in the past or the future? It's most people, right? Most of the time. I refuse. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if you're doing that, if you're listening to that and you're this, this show and you're doing that, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad about it. Most people do it. The question you want to challenge yourself with is, can you focus on the things that you control and live in the moment? Because when you do that, you're going to realize that for most people, there really is no problem in the present moment. I would ask you right now, what is your biggest problem in this moment right now? Internet's a little laggy, but uh, you know, that's right. like, but like, it's fine, yeah. right? Like it's not, yeah, yeah but it's not, I'll take it. <laughs> I actually, this is right? really, this is really cool. I actually was at, so I was at hot yoga this morning and a guy that I see there occasionally says to me, how is everything? And yeah. I, and I said, well, it sucks that the, like the floor of the like men's locker room had like what, like gross, like sweat and what, and yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. well, and I'm barefoot. I'm like, well, the floor's a little gross. And I was like, I guess yeah. these are really bad problems we have. And we both laughed for a minute <laughs> and we're thinking about like, and, I, and we had we had a conversation for a minute where I went, man, all my problems right now are all um, are not re- like are not people yeah, would pay to have my problems. Yeah. They would literally yeah. pay me money. Like the only actual problem yeah. I have probably is like a good friend of mine is sick, like is very sick. Yeah. And that's actually that's not, real. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's actually not my problem. Yeah. Right. It's his. I just feel yeah. for him because I, I care about him, you know. Right. And, and, and actually, I'll use that situation in a minute. Like, I also want to acknowledge, like, look, there are people with real problems. Like you Absolutely. just said, it. So, yeah. someone's got cancer. That's a, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. a real problem. I mean, there are people going through really dark times. And I, I've said this before. I, I acknowledge that, that there's a lot of people out there that are not happy with their lives. Right. Like, I, I'm, I'm an optimist just kind of naturally, but I'm not, I'm not blind to the world. Like, I see people in pain all the time. I do. All right. And I feel for them. Right. But here's the thing. I can't fix the whole world. None of us can, right? And, and this is one of the big problems kind of just with our country in general right now is that everyone's focused on too big of a picture and not what they can do individually to help each other, mm-hmm. right? Whether we agree with each other or not is not the point. But like your friend right now, it's, it comes out to like, you know, what can you do in your control? What do you control to help your friend? Well, your effort, your output, you're there for that person, I'm sure. Yeah. That's, that, that's what you can do, right? So going back to the question with emotions in, in, in business – Typically, when we hit a situation, I will ask the person with me, what do you control in this situation? Mm-hmm. Number one, let's, def- let's really define the things you control. And it's almost nothing every time, right? You're worried about something you can't control. And then how does this affect our present moment? Now, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say like everything has to be to the second. Right? If, you, if you're thinking that way, you're pretty much a monk. And I, and I get that. <laughs> that. That's not going to be And me. that's not real life right? either. That's like living as a monk is yeah. not a... Is, it, yeah, it's not it's a special existence. Yeah. Right. But like you're, you're freaking out. Like I said, I'm just trying, you're freaking out about something that's six months away or six weeks away or six hours away. It really doesn't matter. Right. It's not here yet. So what can you do right now to prepare for that outcome? Because again, man, I find this when people get overly emotional uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss all emotions, but it's usually about something that hasn't happened yet or something that happened in the past. It's usually not about what they're doing right now. And you're definitely not focused on something that you can control. Yeah. So I try and build that philosophy into my teams. So again, someone comes to me and they're really upset. 
right? Depending on the situation, every situation is a little bit different. I'm not trying to qualify that everything's this simple. You can snap your fingers and it goes away. But okay, what do you control in the environment that you're talking about? And what can we do right now to fix it? Take action. When, so, when, you know, when you're feeling despair, you talk about business because that's typically on a losing streak. Despair or distraught, you know, the common, the common outcome is you freeze. And like, I reject that. You can't freeze. That, you got to get out of it somehow. I've gotten out of things where I thought things, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I thought something's going to fail or it's going to stop. Just press forward. Sometimes they do fail, right? Life goes on, but you got to press forward. You got to figure out what do I control and what can I do? Get up and do something. Take action, right? But make sure that you're doing it in that circle of the things that you actually control and you know that you're very focused on the moment. Don't get lost, okay? Again, everyone lives kind of in their own little story. Um, and you got to be willing to open yourself up to all the stories and realize that like, there's everyone out there. We're all perceiving things differently. So when you talk about emotion, let me try and feel what you're feeling. Let me try and dive into why you're feeling this way. You know, too often people will come up to us or come up to each other and say, you know, I'm really feeling bad. And, and the common response is, well, you don't have it that bad. I, you know, I've got to deal with this. Yeah. Like that's, what are you doing? <laughs> like the person chose to come to you. Number one, yeah. you probably asked them how they were feeling. Right. And then your response is they don't have it. That No. What do you want? What is your outcome? You know, I want maximum performance from people that work with me. I want people to feel good about themselves. Let me dive into this with you if I have the time and we'll figure out a solution together. But again, it's a very long answer to a short question, but those two philosophies govern literally every decision that I make. I, th I mean, I, I, the thing that I'm getting, so, well, I, first of all, thank you for giving like the very clear, like I love the like really basic steps, right? Yeah. And, I, and I think that even for some people to think about what they think they can control is actually something that there's people are still working on and practicing. Right. And I, yeah. and I love that you talked about the, the time because I, I'm still working on it. Sorry. The yeah. guy, I still work on this daily basis. Yeah. I, and it's not perfected in any way. Cause the, we we're having like thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of thoughts a day and we're not controlling all those, but we yeah. can through practices and meditation and different tools and strategies get better and better at that. And I think that you're the, the point that helps that I really want to like, like hammer in is when we are thinking in a way that isn't on the things we can control, our thoughts are probably in that place, like the past or the, or the future yeah. versus the present. And I think, so a great thing that people can just do in the moment is notice that just stopping. Exactly. Going, oh my God, I'm not controlling my thoughts. That thought just popped yeah. up and that thought is about the future or about the past. And then I, I love that you talked about I'm because I'm big on action. Like we spend so yeah. much time talking about things, <laughs> yeah. which is great. Yeah. Like sometimes we get these huge awarenesses from talking, but often it can be a safe place to hide from taking yeah. an action and taking whatever that because the action creates the result. Thinking about it doesn't create the result. Yeah. So it's was... excitement, like you said. Like the result comes through hard work and grinding and you know, you have to beat this fear of failure that most people have. Um, and again, you have to define what failure is. Like, you know, people tell me like, I'm just fearless. They tell me that you're so fearless. You'll try anything. Like that's because failure for me is my kids not loving me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like that, my wife, not thinking that I'm the best husband ever. Like that's mm -hmm. failure to me. Right? And I do fail at those things sometimes. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not perfect. and That's okay too, but that's real failure to me. If all of my Everything you said at the beginning of the show, if all of that stuff fell apart and my wife and kids were still here, I'm not a failure if they still love me, 
right? Yeah. Now, vice versa, if my kids hate me and my wife doesn't want to talk to me and I make a billion dollars a day, I'm a failure in my mind, right? That, that's how I define it. it. Might not be defined like that for everybody, yeah. but like, it's really easy not to fear failure when you you have a perspective like that. And so defining, defining what winning is, defining what teams are defined, there's just a, like a trend of everything you've shared about really defining, you know, yeah. what the bond is, what the goal is, what the vision is, um, yeah. what equals winning. And I love that you like, um, we break down like for what it is for you, right? You make a billion dollars in a day, but everyone hates you. That doesn't work. Yeah. And I think like, yeah. I'm thinking about too, the idea of like, if you're, because we've been talking a lot about teams and um, business. Yeah. How does all this play in to like your marriage? Like what's the, yeah. like how do you weave that in? Like what's the thing people can get from you around making a marriage work? Because that's a team. It's a relationship, right? <laughs> Absolutely is a team. You know, you know, it's funny. I'll tell you those jokes. Somebody asked me one time, he was thinking about getting married. He said, well, what's, what's your secret? <laughs> he goes, what's your secret? Cause, cause, my, I, my wife and I love each other. We're, you know, I, I'm really privileged to be my wife's husband. And I said, the secret's really easy, man. It's just your willingness to put up with someone else's bullshit for the rest of your natural life. <laughs> I said that to him. And he looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, no, that's it, kind of what it is. I mean, like, you know, I, I love my wife, but it's like, you know, we're not perfect together. I mean, I mean we gotta, you got to deal with each other, right? You got to work with each other. But that's, that's what a team is. Right? Yeah. It, 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 again, I'm joking. Obviously, there's much more romance to marriage, at least in my situation, than that. But uh, yeah, I approach it the same way. And you know, here's the here's the deal. At the end of the day, you, you, you want to take away from this. It's not a competition for me with, with my wife, and vice versa. Right? We're not competing for the love of our children. We're not competing to have who has the better job. You know, we're not competing of who's the better better spouse parent. Mm -hmm. We're in it together. Right? Now, I've never sat down with my wife with a whiteboard and go, okay, what's our vision, mission, you know, objectives and tactics. Although there are people that do that too. Have yeah, I know. Yeah, but I'm saying yeah. we have it in place. Yeah. It just kind of it, it goes a little bit unsaid, I think. But we we have conversations, obviously, about what we want to accomplish. But like, I think the key here is like it's we're in it together. Like we are a team. My wife and I are a team as spouse, as as soon to be business partners, as parents. You know, we do it together. Um, and and again, everything I'm saying applies to everything. It's not just business and sports. It applies easier in those two things because you get to go home at the end of the day. All right, but like when you know when you live with something, it's really an all the time thing. You know, I think a really cool thing too about being married and my wife. And I actually had this thought the other day, and it was really comforting. Is that uh, you know when you're in love with someone, you're married. You know, there's ups and downs, and anybody who's been married a long time will tell you that there's good years, there's bad years, there's good times, there's bad times. Uh, but the thing is, you really fall back in love with that person over and over and over again. You know, I always joke I fall in love with my wife like seven or eight times, right? And I had this really comfort, comfortable feeling because we were going through kind of a rough period, uh, you know, by our standards, not, not really rough. And it was really comforting knowing, you know what, you're going to come out of this and, you know, you'll get back to a good time and things will be good again. And, you know, we got right back. It just, it was really comforting knowing that. But that took a lot of time and a lot of work together. And like, I know her and she knows me. That's the power of what happens when you work together. I know and I trust that we're going to get through this together. There's never any fear in my marriage that we're not doing the absolute best we can for each other and for our kids, no matter what happens, whether we make a mistake, we're working too long. Like there's no maliciousness. We know we're doing the best we possibly can together. And I have absolutely zero doubt that that's happening. So that's kind of the answer to your question, right? Like I know she's working for us and she knows I'm working for us and that we love each other. That's the key. And I'll tell you this, man, again, marriage is a serious thing, but 
I, I you take that level of commitment to everything we're talking about. It doesn't just have to be marriage. I mean, if you're at a job, you're married to that <laughs> in yeah. a way, in yeah. a way. Well, you know? I, I love you. You got me to see something just now that I've never like thought of. So I think that, and I got this from one of my mentors, but he talked about how like every day in a marriage you roll over and there's mm. days where you're like, Oh my God, I love this person. And there's days where you're like, I hate them. I can't, I like, yeah. I got to get out of this bed and go to work because that true. fight we got in and the stuff like, and you're not to think that you're going to wake, to think that you're going to wake up and like be in love with them every day is silly. Like we're not, yeah. we don't have that relationship with anything in life. Well, that, that's the first two weeks of every relationship. <laughs> and well, and so he, 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 they, he talks about like what I got from learning that lesson was like. Uh, love is a commitment. Love is something that we yeah. re-choose consistently, which has been really cool for me personally to think about love as something I continue to pick every day. I choose in yeah. and I choose that person every day. What you added to that for me just now, which is really cool, is there's light and day, right? There's like the darkness and the light and we get both. That in the light, when like our relationships are amazing and perfect and we're like in love and we can't get enough of each other, like we're in that winning streak, but when we're in the losing streak of the darkness where we're fighting, where things aren't going well, we don't have enough time for each other. We can't seem to agree. That's really hard. And I, I love the piece about how you get it back with the trust. But what I just got was that when you're in the darkness, what's possible is you get to fall in love again. And like, how cool is that? That like yeah. you can think about like, oh my God, I'm going to get to fall in love with this person all over. I got like goosebumps saying it. I get to fall yeah. in love with this person all over again. And that is like so much fun and so cool. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the commitment too, right? Like you're committing that you're going to do that for each other. I mean, you know, one of the toughest parts of any relationship, especially in marriage is your, your ability to make yourself vulnerable. I mean, that that's the other half of this, right? Like you're making yourself vulnerable to that other person that they might hurt you horrendously. And the closer people are, the more they can hurt you. And the thing is, is like, it's a commitment that we're not going to do that to each other. You know, even if we do accidentally, it's not malicious, you know? And I think when marriages don't work out or relationships don't work out in general, it's because you've lost the drive or the ability to do that for each other. But that also should tell you how strong of a bond you need to have to be able to, to be with someone. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, you can apply this to marriage on a serious level. You can apply this to, to, to teams. Like right? you have to create that level of commitment to each other. It's gotta be undying. Right. Cause like, you know, I never got into my marriage thinking I'm getting out of it. Like, I think that's, I, I've heard people say that before. Like, well, if it doesn't work out, like, Whoa, you know, like that's not, <laughs> if you're thinking that way, this yeah. is, this is not good. Right. With that said, there are very specific situations where two people should split. But I'm saying, like, I didn't go into my marriage with like a with like a contingency plan of if it didn't yeah, work no, out. Yeah, there's not a you don't have a back door. It's yeah. I mean, if you think that's bad, look, the return policy on having kids sucks. All right. <laughs> you can't do it. Like, you better be ready for that too. You know what I mean? No one's ever really ready, but you know what I mean? Like, like I, you can apply that to every relationship. If I'm yeah. building a sports team, I, I want that level of commitment, at least for the time we're together. Yeah. You know, the same thing in business. I want you to be committed to each other. Know that you're doing everything you can for each other, even if you have the strongest disagreement in history. You know, to use a metaphor, if you're left and right, can we at least commit we want to do what's best for everybody? We just disagree on how we're going to get there. You can't lose sight of that bigger picture. You know, and I think that's what's happening a lot right now is people just kind of focus on they want to be right 
They're not willing to listen and discuss. They just want to be right over having a civil discussion. Like, that's what makes, I, I think, this whole place so great. And that's what makes my relationship so great. I can disagree with you and still love you. I'm talking about my wife right now. And move forward <laughs> together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm totally with you. We're more committed to being right and being in line with whatever group we think we're in and whatever category than actually yeah. stopping to understand and listen and connect and figure out like, yeah. how do we, you know, me and my, me and my girlfriend disagree on a lot of things, but if you yeah. actually ask us what we both want as the result of the things, we want the exact same thing exactly. for ourselves and yeah. for other people. Our route to get there is a different, we want to take different roads to get, you know, on that journey. And, but the thing is often, I think, I love that you said this. One of the coolest things in my relationship is we've kind of, I, I'm speaking for her also now, is I think we've <laughs> learned that like her ways or my ways or, you know, the up or the down ways or the left or the right ways haven't often worked. And it's yeah. been a lot more about like, we have to find new ways to get yeah, new, yeah, new Create results. your own way yeah. together. Um, yeah. I, I, uh, I want to, dude, this time has like flown by. Um, <laughs> well, that means we did something good. That yeah. Means- <laughs> right. So, just, I want to thank you. Thanks for being here again. We met this morning. Like this is the first like real conversation we've had. Yeah, we were is. In, Legit the first phone call. Yeah. <laughs> we were introduced this morning. Thank you so much for showing up, like being here, being fully invested in this, like saying yes and being committed until the end. I really appreciate you. Like the, you brought so much wisdom and value and, and from so many different like places like business, hockey, marriage, as a, as a parent, as a speaker, um, I just got a ton of value. I know the listeners were, will, ha, will too. Um, how do people, like, I want to give people really quick, quickly, they can go to game seven group.com. They can go to hockey wraparound.com. Uh, they can go to we live.hockey and they can also go to blades, sorry, bladeshades.com. Those are all your businesses and brands, uh, if they want to just kind of go to you, find out more about you, what are the best ways for them to do that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to say to to you, just, I think it's great that you created this platform for people to learn and to listen and to kind of have a conversation like this too, just returning the compliment. Cause it's true. Like without things like this, uh, people don't learn. Right. And we gotta, we gotta keep learning. We gotta keep talking. Uh, and I do appreciate the the platform to, to tell people, but yeah, it, look, if you want to find me, LinkedIn's always a great way to find me. I'm just, there's Lee Elias uh, and game seven group.com is kind of my, my more personal site to the stuff that we're talking about on the show today. But uh, I'm always open to conversations and, and uh, you know, to me, anyone that comes into my life is a blessing. And like I said, if, if you want to find me, those are the ways to do it. But I want to tell you again, man, that, I love platforms like this because you're creating an atmosphere for people to learn and grow. And there's not enough of that today in a time period where we have the ability to do that in an unlimited way. So like, I think you're a champion for that. You know what I mean? Things like this are really important in discussing and learning and and going together. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. And you know what we didn't even touch on, but um, this is great because they, people had to listen all the way to the end. So you wanted to give away a copy of each of your books. Um, Yeah, I'd be happy to. So what I want to do is, um, the, let's say, um, what's your birthday? What's the date? Uh, December the year? 2nd. It's coming up. Okay. Yeah. So the 12th person that emails me, Alex at the dreammason.com and says they listen to this podcast and they want the copy of the book. 12th person. That's actually funny. So my birthday is January 12th. Yours is. <laughs> so, you um, let's do, uh, 
the twelfth person, um, and the what's uh, one of your kids' birthdays? Uh, February 5th or All September right. 10th, your call. <laughs> and the fifth, the fifth person and the twelfth person that email me, Alex at the dreammason.com, and they say they want a copy of your books. One of you, one person will get uh, a copy of uh, I flipped my page. Um, you know what? You can you can have whichever one you want. I'll put it that way. Okay, cool. <laughs> you have, you so a copy of Think Like a Fan or a copy of Win, you get to pay. Yeah, your choice. Um, thanks yeah. for being generous and doing that. And um, dude, thanks again. Thanks for being here. No, thank you for the time, man. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening. Honestly, I'm just a rebel who found a cause and has a dream, and I'm super grateful for your support. If you got anything from this, please help me out and share this podcast with one person today. You can find me at thedreammason.com or at inspirationalalex on Instagram. You are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.